Welcome. Welcome to the First Capital Vineyard Podcast. In this season, we're exploring our faith journeys and stories. Everyday Christians with extraordinary tales of hope, faith, and love. Our stories make us who we are. They are a powerful means of encountering and sharing Jesus and His kingdom. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Kia ora tato, church family. Welcome to episode 6 of Imago Day. This week we hear from Henry McClintock, but before the interview, some feedback to Anna. Caleb Clayton wanted to say, I honour you, Anna, for your pursuit of the presence of God through worship. We all benefit from it. You being sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit provides breakthrough in people's lives, even when we don't notice it. So I encourage you to go deeper. And Fena, your authenticity shines through in all that you do. Your simple and sincere faith encourages many to seek the face of Jesus. Your worship ushers in the kingdom in a profound and unique way. Yeah, I just totally back those words. They're so awesome. I've been so encouraged by um, Anna and actually the whole Beatty Fano and their spirit of worship. So keep those awesome words coming. And without further ado, here's Henry. Hey, Henry. Hey, Johnny. How you doing? Uh, very good, thank Beautiful day today. Yeah, it's been awesome, eh? Um, bit of level two action. <laughs> level two action. Yeah. Getting out there, yeah. cuddling people again, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's been great. Best of Wellington today. What did you do? Uh, had a great... Oh, oh. Up early for us. This is going to be a really good day. It's going to reflect really well on me for this because I got up early and went for a bike ride with some uh, good buddies and then um, online church, uh, out for a little bit of football, made sure we uh, complied with all the rules at football and then um, went out to the south coast to Macra this afternoon, which was beautiful. So still out there. Eh? Macra's yeah. never flat, but it was just incredibly flat. So, uh, And actually, if I'm allowed to do a shout-out, so um, Amber Jane, our girls today were taking lots of amber jane photography so they were like trying to do some of those videos of the the waves and all that sort of thing so uh they've been very inspired by amber jane's photography over the last uh, couple of online services so um yeah we'll see what comes out of that you weren't running around with a camera too getting arty on it oh i'm i'm, I'm an accountant but i was scared but arty a bit but uh, no they were they were great you know as when you're out with your kids and they're enjoying themselves they just sort of let it go don't you because it's fantastic so um so they were loving it so uh that's been a cool thing you know to s- some of the different things you get out there and um you know them picking this sort of stuff up you know it's one of the benefits of online church aid you know they see different things so um it's been good so beautiful day yeah yeah and um how was the deep dark lockdown like? I had it has it been good for you or? Yeah, oh, look, I see everything through the perspective that man, aren't we lucky to be in New Zealand? So our lockdown really, compared to, I've got family in the UK, people in the states or anywhere else where it's really hard, and then even the you know the health impact that it's had here, it's been bad. But compared to other other places, so um, so it's been different. 
but compared to most people, we're relatively fortunate, I think, aren't we, really? So that's how I look at it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, so I guess we can just get started. Uh, and I always start with the grand opening question. How did you come to know the Lord? Yeah. Um, oh, for me, it's that one of those questions that's hard to answer because there's no definitive date or anything like that. It's sort of asking when you... Um, when did you first meet your parents sort of thing? Um, my family, my parents were Christians. And so uh, going to church, praying, reading the Bible, all that sort of stuff has just been a part of my life, you know, as for as long as I can remember. Yeah, I, I'm sure I probably when I was 10 or 11, prayed the prayer with my mum, you know, when I was going to bed one night. I probably did it about five times because you're never sure whether you've done it right first time and and, and all that sort of thing. So... But I, I can't remember anything particularly changing at that point because it just felt a natural flow on. So, so um, uh, for me, I feel I've always, always uh, believed in Jesus Christ and believe that he's my savior. And I've always had, we'll get on to what kind of relationship with Jesus you have, but I've always had a relationship uh, with him for as long as I can remember, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So from the earliest times, you've felt like you've had that connection there. Yeah, you said connection. I mean, so, you know, we, a little bit later we can talk about, you know, what you know what that connection means for me. But I've definitely believed it um, and and held on to that, um, you know, ever since I was young. And never really teenage years, you question it and you think about it a little bit. But but even though it has been challenged through conversations with people and through questions, and you have your doubts, I, I've never had a, a period where I've even come close to not believing it, I don't think, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously you grew up in the UK. Yep. And so is there anything about, like, growing up in the UK that, um, you know, to do with being a Christian that's been different from your experience in New Zealand? Or um, is there, you know, did you go to an Anglican church or what, you know, what sort of church did you go to? Yeah, good question. Uh I always think about New Zealand that when I was 18 I left England and I and I went I wanted to go as far away as possible and be really big and brave so New Zealand's right on the other side of the world to England so you sound like you're being really big and brave but in one way <laughs> New Zealand's probably almost the most similar culturally cult culturally uh you can get to 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 England so the other side of the world a lot of similarities um so quite quite the same in that regard um i missed the second part of your question oh just what sort of church did you go oh, yeah, to like right. when you were growing up uh so i went to what we called a, a house church and my folks were heavily influenced by you know 70s early 80s you know by getting out of the you know big anglican movements and all that sort of thing you know influenced by you know vineyard and um uh, Wimber and, and those sorts of guys. So they started a coffee shop in the, or they were a bunch of people who started a coffee shop in the seventies uh, and that grew into house churches. So we called ourselves a house church, even though by the time I came along, the house church was meeting in a building because it got big, I mean, a bit like CV, right? You know, uh, and, and so, you know, I was born in ooh, 1977 and the year Star Wars came out as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Anyway, just a quick history lesson. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so, so you know, it was pretty charismatic, non-denominational, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so, um, yeah, fairly, you know, so 
holy spirit and that kind of thing you know was yeah. a, a big part of it yeah yeah so were there any um standout experiences like during that time that you can remember oh uh, look there's a lot you look back on and and reflect on when i you know in my early teens or probably mid-teens was it which would have been the early 90s um that was when there was this thing called the toronto blessing uh going around i think that was early 90s and yeah. so uh, i don't know got no idea what happened in new zealand but in england you know a lot of people from my church went over to toronto and and you know we had suddenly extra church meetings on a every night of the week and and lots of slightly odd well odd stuff different stuff uh going on um I'm going to say I've always been reserved. I don't know if that's a good way to describe me, because in some ways I'm reserved, in some ways I'm not reserved at all, but I'm always uh, sceptical, maybe. That's a good word. And so, you know, I've, uh, that's always been a challenge for me in terms of my relationship with, with God and that sort of thing anyway, that I've always looked on those things. It's awesome because awesome stuff happens, but I've always just been a little bit cautious about, as Marty would say, jumping straight in the river or, or whatever this sort of thing. And, and, you know, that's just the, you know, rightly or wrongly, you know, I, uh, that's where I've been. So so I see, I saw it had a big impact. There was some cool stuff about it. There was some not so cool stuff about it. There was some hypey stuff about it. But there, there was some stuff where people's lives were genuinely changed, right? So, you know, trying to, I mean, that is the life with Christ. There's all this stuff, there's life, all this stuff that comes in. There's some good stuff that comes out of it. And there's some, slightly odd stuff that comes out of it um uh yeah but ultimately i felt close to god in certain in certain parts of that time and you know i could see the impact it was having on certain people as well yeah yeah it's really amazing because since through doing these interviews you're the third person including myself that's talked about that right. time period as like a notable thing but until you talk to other people you don't realize that you know it was such a shared experience like well so many people like because we uh, as i said in my testimony we had like these kind of people from that whole thing coming to visit the church all the time and yeah we did the exact same things we had like all these huge meetings and yeah. stuff like that for me that was pretty a, a pretty profound influence on me but it was exactly like you said like I think even for me myself, I like sometimes got like kind of caught up in the hype of it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it still had this profound influence on me, even though like with some hindsight, I can see like that some things were maybe slightly unusual about it or something like that. But yeah, it's interesting seeing how like all of us that grew up at that time, because I'm a bit, bit younger, but still like 1982, like I was in that in the church in that in that nineties period when all that stuff was happening. Mm. Mm. So it's interesting seeing that, you know, right through our church, like it had an influence on people. It's, 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 it's interesting because yeah, even in the context of everything that's going on the last couple of months here, you know, things that impact the whole world, sort of thing. Eh, and it's it's interesting to think of a move of God and how impact that impacts the whole world. But even for me, Vineyard and like Wimber, and that's that's impact the whole church. You know, um. We had a bit to do with HGB, Holy Trinity Bompton in London, which yeah. is an Anglican church yeah. in London when we were there. And that the Anglican movement in the UK has got some awesome aspects. And a lot of that came out of Wimber going to to there in the early 80s sort of thing. So, you know, that's the beauty of the Church of Christ, right? Yep, you've got all these different bits, but if they can all 
influence each other in in, that, in different ways. It's 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 yeah, it's interesting how yeah. these things do spread around the world. <laughs> and I'm using that in a different analogy to other things that can spread around. The yeah, world. and Nikki Gumbel and um, Alpha and yeah, yeah, all that stuff was all through the Anglican Church, yep. but also through Wimber, like kind of stirring up Nikki Gumbel a mm. bit. So yeah. And, you know, the Anglican Church here is still going. There's heaps of cool ministers and stuff, like in Wellington, even still now. So, yeah, even yeah. still, yeah, yeah. Even still now, <laughs> the Anglican Church is still doing the business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of my friends go to Anglican churches now. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. Well, that's, again, for me, is this how, how this links in? Uh, but the whole, the blessing song, you know, that's, that's gone um, viral and I was listening to, Tim Hughes talk about that and he's talking about the unity of Christ and unity of the body and the unity of church. And again, we're all aware we've been in church for a while that churches have a great propensity to not get on and not work well together. Sometimes we're all human, but when you can see all those different churches, all the diversity of, of people and they're all coming together and doing something awesome like that, that is, that is powerful. And that is uh, a message to the churches and a message to the non-church, right? About how all these different people who view things a little bit differently and, and have their, differences but they can really come together so that's that's um yeah that's when a church does that well that's awesome right yeah yeah it's so cool um yeah so growing up left england when you're about 18 you know what sort of place were you at when you left um england or like you know in those teenage years yeah good question so i was as in the same church um until I was 18, you know, this, the house church. Um, and then, do you know, I, I remember getting up and talking a lot. So I actually came to New Zealand for a year. So when I was 18, I wanted to go as far away as possible, really rebellious. So I came to the country that's most similar to England. And I, uh, I got up at church and I said, oh, you know, um, I'm going to New Zealand. And I said, oh, and I've led quite a sheltered life. And, and actually the whole audience sort of laughed sort of thing a little bit. I didn't quite get that. But I, my family at home, the McClintocks, we had, you know, they had, mum and dad had quite a big house and we had lots of lodgers staying in it. So, you know, there were, and my parents were a bit weird, like we're all a little bit weird. And they had, you know, lots of stuff going on in the house and miss, missionaries coming in and my parents spent a half, you know, a bit of time in India and all, and all those sorts of stuff. So, uh, whereas I had predominantly lived in England, I lived in this town uh, and come to this church, you know, it's interesting. Other people had viewed my life as anything but sheltered because of everything I'd been exposed to, if I can use that word, exposed to. So I think... Um, for me, that made me realize actually how you see things is not always how everybody else sees things. So I'd seen myself as a white middle-class English boy who'd, you know, been in Sheffield his whole life pretty much. But actually even being in Sheffield, you can be exposed, if that's the right use of that word, to lots of amazing, incredible different things sort of thing that do open your eyes and reveal yourselves to different things. So I, I probably didn't appreciate that. So my parents were, you know lots of hospitality lots of different people coming in and that's and i benefited from that in terms of it wasn't actually too much of a, a really narrow you know view on life sort of thing but i didn't actually quite realize that until other people give that view and then until you go around the, the world and start seeing other things and you think actually you know i have had a fairly wide uh, range of experiences so so yeah so i left england um when i was 18 and uh, um, I moved to New Zealand just for a year before I started uni and I went to a place called Fielding 
<laughs> and went to the Apostolic Church. I, ca- I called it the Apolistic Church. I don't know why I called it that. I, was, I just can't speak sometimes. Um, in Fielding. And that was different, going to the Apostolic Church in Fielding. You know, there were two or three other people there my age. Um, and I don't remember much about that time, you know, from a relationship with God. I went to, you know, uh, I remember that year in New Zealand, lots of ha- happened, but uh, my relationship with God just continued. It wasn't anything flashy or massive or anything like that sort of thing, if that's the question you're asking. Yeah. What brought you to Fielding? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you go to Fielding? Uh, again, um, I wanted to come to do something different, have a year away from England, try and become a little bit uh, broader view of life. And there are, you apply to an organisation that sends you to different places, different schools. So there's a boarding school in Fielding called Fielding Agricultural High School, as it was. Again, I'm, I was city boy in Sheffield, and I remember again sitting in my room and getting this thing saying you're going to Fielding Agricultural High School and being, you know, slightly um, shocked or whatever by that. So, so that's why I ended up in Fielding. But again, awesome place to be for me, being a city boy all my life, living in a, in a small rural town, understanding a little bit. Great place to, to go and visit and, and experience New Zealand from something very different. So I, you know, I really, I really loved it, yeah. And so, and then you went back home for a while and came back. So yeah, so then I came back home to New Zealand. Uh, I came back to, sorry, came to New Zealand for a year. Left New Zealand. Um, actually, you'll be interested. When I left England, it was 2006. Sheffield Wednesday were top of the Premier League when I left England in 2006. Would you believe? That's how long the it goes. And I spent a year here in, in New Zealand. And then I left New Zealand thinking I'd probably never really come back. It's a great place. I've loved it. But again, I, I'm the sort of person who likes to do things. But then even if something's been good, I'd rather go and try something else or go to a different place and that sort of thing. So I left to go to university uh, in Nottingham and thought I'd never come back. But, yeah, am I supposed to give my, my like, how you met your wife thing yeah, or whatever? Oh, God. <laughs> um, Michelle said I wasn't allowed to talk about it because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say things that are, you know... <laughs> Other than complimentary, that's like ridiculous. But um, so then I spent three years in Nottingham. Maybe I'd just do my life history very quite, how long have we got? Um, and, uh, you know, that was university, you know, so um, that was cold, you know, being involved in the, we call the Christian Union then and that sort of thing. Still and was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, you know, uni is an interesting time, isn't it? When you, you know, there's all the sort of stuff that goes on in, in university and uh, and that sort of thing. But um, it was good to connect with people, similar mindset uh, and the like. After uni, I took another year out because I still didn't know what I wanted to do and did lots of things, went around the world a little bit again, that sort of stuff. Part of that year, I spent six months in Switzerland. And so my now wife, Michelle, who's from New Zealand, came out for a skiing holiday for a week in in Switzerland and I was there for six months and so we met in Switzerland um, Michelle and I and then um, you know long story short you know we eventually got together and and then I saw I moved back to New Zealand because of uh, Michelle so my first year in New Zealand had nothing to do with living here now or or anything like that you know and we we worked out with Michelle that you know there's a bit of an age gap between us and she was teaching somewhere else so we tried to work out whether our paths could have crossed or whatever but they didn't cross and um so yeah so another year out I got together um with Michelle we had two years living in London together and then we moved back here uh, 14 years or so um, ago now and now 
Wellington's home. I've almost been in Wellington as long as I've been in Sheffield. So I've been in Sheffield 18 years. And it's funny how these things happen, right? And, and Wellington is very much home, even though I don't sound like a Wellingtonian, apparently. Um, Wellington's their home, yeah. Yeah, I've been here for half my life now, which is always like when you start counting it out, like it's like... <laughs> it's not a good. I, I, I've got to stop counting. I, I yeah, I went in terms of age and time because it's certainly depressing, isn't it? I don't know, maybe not. Um, yeah. So, like, what would you say are the main ways that you encounter like Jesus? So, you've had a pretty consistent um, relationship. Have there been seasons when you've been feel like you've been really close to the Lord? You know, what are the ways that you find that you encounter? his presence or like or even more just generally like how do you like how do you how does your relationship with the lord sort of work yeah good question um in terms of how i encountered god yes probably the usual things in terms of you know worship and creation and people and scripture and all you know a medley of things all together sort of thing in different ways um um again when you say encounter um like i don't think of myself as having a really deep intimate personal relationship with god if you like you know and i and, and i hope james isn't going to kick me out or anything like that you know because it's very unvineyard really you know vineyard is all about intimacy and yeah. and, and that sort of thing but it's still a for me, it's a really hard concept to grasp. You know, there's lots of books out there, but I read one about, you know, relating to an invisible God. You know, we all, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do that. So, um, so absolutely, I experience God through, through worship. I love being out in creation and giving glory to God for the awesome, you know, creation. His, you know, I, I love hearing from people and, and God speaks through people. You know, the scripture is just full of so much wisdom. So I, that's how I learn and get to know God, but I don't feel that I've got a really you know, close, intimate relationship with God in the, in that way. Is that what I'm making sort of sense? Yeah, there, sort of thing? And, and I've never really had that sort of thing, yeah. So would you say, like, when you go for bike rides and you're out there, like, is that, w would that be one of the main, like, ways that you... Yeah, that's, I mean, I enjoy that, right? You know, and so, um, you know, so I find gives me energy and gives me life and that sort of thing. So things that I enjoy doing, you know, I, I'm grateful to God for providing those things to me, if you see what I mean. So that's, yeah. that's probably, you know, um, how I make sure I try and be, you know, thankful and grateful for everything yeah. that I've got. And that's how I experience it through what God's given me. You know, God's provided people that I enjoy having a relationship. God's provided scripture that I enjoy learning from. So, um, it sounds almost a little bit indirect rather than direct. Yeah, it maybe is, is the way to describe it. Does that make sense? No, I mean, you know, scripture is one of the primary ways we get to know God. Yeah, and yeah. Being, um, ev just about everybody said that being out in, like, the environment is, like, one of the ways that they encounter God. And, yeah, like, uh, um, at Vineyard, like, um, definitely, like, people have talked about worship, but, like, um, yeah, I no, like that makes perfect sense to me. Like I think I think sometimes the way we talk about these things, I mean, I don't know what your experience is like, that maybe like some people feel 
when people talk about this personal relationship, they feel a bit like alienated. But sometimes I think it might be just the code, the language that we use, and that we actually have a more similar experience than. I I think you're spot on because me like having a relate like what without overthinking it, what does that really mean in terms of I can have a relationship with with you talk now or have that relationship with my wife or my kids and that sort of thing and um so I think yeah it's a good point in terms of what do people really mean by having intimacy with God or having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that sort of thing it's very different from having a personal relationship with anybody else and I think maybe there is perception sometimes that and, and probably it's different, I guess, is what I'm thinking. It is different for different people. Because, again, when I try to think about this a little bit, I don't know if this analogy will work, but uh, my relationship with my dad, you know, I've, I think I've got an awesome relationship with my dad, but it's not close in terms of he's not my best buddy and I don't phone him up every five minutes to tell him how I'm feeling and all, and all that sort of thing. So it's quite a, a distant relationship. In, in that, I, know, I know that he loves me and, and, and I love him, but we don't talk... Uh, a lot or communicate a lot, but uh, but we're both really comfortable and, and enjoy that uh, um, relationship. I, I was joking. I'm, I'm a little bit emotionally stunted. He's a bit emotionally stunted. So we're sort of quite happy with our. <laughs> it's not a standoff, and I'm not I'm not saying this in any other way. Just to try and describe it. So I think yeah. you know I have a di- I have an awesome relationship with my father, but it's very different to what anybody else is. And when I look at somebody else, and somebody may say, "Oh, my dad's my best mate," or whatever, and you know. Uh, I'm not, it doesn't create any feelings of either, oh, I wish I had that or I wish I didn't have that. It's just, it is just yeah. what it is. And that's, so maybe that's a similar way. I think, you know, with with God, rightly or wrongly, sometimes I think, oh, I'm missing out on what other people, I might perceive other people have as a relationship with God in terms of something that is much more dynamic. Is that the right word to, to use? Or, or personal, if you like. And some people talk about really, really that they just want to pursue that you know a, a, a more closer relationship and i rightly or wrongly well it's important that i spend more time understanding him and that sort of thing but it's it's the same you know I, uh, this is going to sound terrible but i don't long to spend a low more time with with my own dad not that I, I want to spend more time with him but i don't you know fundamentally going to change that relationship because I know where we are. I'm, I don't know what I'm making sense here at all. But uh, um, so, yeah, so for me, it's about, you know, how I, it's good to understand how I experience God compared to how other people experience God. I think that's a point you're touching on. Yeah, absolutely. And like, um, you know, like actually a number of times it's come up in these interviews, like, what do you actually mean when you when you hear from God? Like and yeah, sometimes um it has been like a a clear mm. like voice inside my head or like but those are very rare. Mm. Most often it's like a combination of all sorts of factors, like what other people are speaking into my life, like what I'm reading in scripture, like um you know, my emotions, like all sorts of things coming together. And then, but then five years down the track, you're like, and then God spoke to me and said, go do this. Mm. But really it was like this, all these things coming together to make you think that that was what God wanted Wanted. you to do, what wanted you to do or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. um, And I, I think that's one of the big traps 
we're talking about all this stuff is that it's really easy to assume, like it's human nature almost to assume that your experience is exactly what everybody else could have. Yep. When quite often it's just simply not the case. Yeah. Like we're all wired differently. Like to be perfectly honest, like when I go hiking and stuff like that, I don't feel any closeness to God or I I look at my feet and I just think about how my feet are sore and how it's muddy and how it's kind of dark like under the canopy and you know like I'm exaggerating but like you know that's not my primary um, way of connecting with God whereas like so many other people it's like when they're out there doing things like that that's when they you know and then another person might be like listen to a song and just start weeping or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like people do like experience the Lord in different ways, and it's good to hear like um, different perspectives. I agree, and that's been the cool thing about what you've been doing to really hear, you know, and and it's this concept that thinking you are a little bit different. Everybody else has got this, and I've got this. You know, and we're missing out. So, but actually, there's so much diverse. We know we're all pretty different and diverse, right? You know, and so there's so much diversity as to how God relates to it. When I think about it, one way that really related to me, um, someone said there was um, a chap called Mark Strom, I think his name was, and it was a vineyard conference quite a few years ago. Um, yeah, that was um, good. It was good. And uh, I hope this comes across in the right way. But he, he used a good analogy of saying, you know, God's given us common sense, right? You know, he's always a bit skeptical when somebody comes to him and says, oh, God's told me that I'm going to do this, or God's told me that I'm going to marry this person or whatever. And he's, you know, he's he was... Um, not to downplay that, but he was always a bit skeptical. Because in the end, you know, when somebody tells you that, what can you say? You can't say, "Well, no, God hasn't told you that." Well, you know, have that um, uh, discussion, you know. And he's talked about, well, actually, sometimes God uses common sense and uses what you've He's given you and Scripture and all the other things. So it's got to be read in, in in that context, sort of thing. So when I heard him talk about that, and he was head of the Laidlaw College or whatever, in, in terms of that, put into perspective for me that listening, hearing from God is not about Thus saith the Lord, it is about actually using the facets that God's given you, you know, other people, your brain, your own common sense, and all those sorts of things in a way that you describe to determine what plan God has for your life and and all that sort of thing. So it's got a, I think I'm a fairly sort of logical person. So, you know, I I like to, you know, to, to weigh things up in terms of are they making sense and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um. I guess the final thing is like what makes you like what makes you keep coming back you know like um what's what makes you passionate about like the kingdom and like um yeah like what really makes you tick in terms of being a Christian I guess um yeah good question I've I was going to say, I've, I've listened, I haven't listened to all the previous ones, but I've listened to a few, and, and Nick's answer to this was, phew, which I thought was like the, the best answer that I was going to steal um, from him. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound like a terrible answer to start with, but ultimately it's, uh, um, C.S. Lewis, I think, always described himself as a reluctant Christian, I think, because annoyingly, I believe this thing. I suppose that's, that's a terrible answer to what you've just told, right? <laughs> but sometimes that's the answer, right? You know, that I... I believe that Jesus Christ existed and I believe he died for my sins and, and I believe in, in God. Therefore, I've gotten it. Where else do I go? You know, it's coming back to, you know, you know, 
I take great solace from the fact that the disciples were all a bit screwed up as well. So if I'm a bit screwed up and don't get stuff, then it's okay. I'm in good company. So, um, so that sounds like a really, <laughs> but that's a core base that I come to. Coming back to this point, that I don't, you know, from in terms of really strong intimate relationship with God, I don't feel like I, you know, I, you know, that's something that really drives me. Therefore, coming back to the fact that actually, in the end, I believe it. But um, in terms of answering your question, what sort of drives me and what gets um, me going that, that when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, what you know, what drives, what gets you almost like angry or gets you annoyed, sort of thing. That's you know, that's a, a passion that that's, that's passion that's coming out. And um, for me, an example of that, as a, particularly as a father of um, three girls as well, is when I see um, thought life. What's what I'm trying to talk about here? When I see people people who I love uh, being impacted by the enemy as to what they think and what they think about themselves and that sort of stuff that just really winds me up um C.S. Lewis I talked about him so I, you know I think he's a don he was a don but he is a don um uh, screw tape letters was a, wrote, a book he wrote about you know what the enemy's tactics right and strategies to distract you or, or whatever it is so I absolutely believe that you know we're not fighting against, you know, what's, what's the phrase in Ephesians? Anyway, the fact that it's the spiritual warfare going on sort of thing. So, you know, what really drives me is when I see that the enemy really does, is debilitating in what he does in terms of how people think about themselves and, and being really solid in who you are and that sort of thing. And so, you know, um, what drives me as a, as, a, as a parent, as a father of three girls, particularly as I come into their teenage years and that sort of thing, is I want them to absolutely know who they are and be really comfortable in who they are in God and be equipped to deal with the fact that the enemy inevitably is going to try and make you think badly of yourself, make you think that you're ugly or think that you're worthless or guilt and all those sort of things that, that, that come on and that sort of thing. So, um, so practically for me, it's, you know, what do I do in my life to... to um to support people and encourage people to be able to um to learn and to believe who they are and in god and to have that confidence so all the stuff that is going to inevitably be thrown at them um that they can deal with that so that they can be who they can be you know because that can just crush people and it stops people and it holds people back and you know you imagine what could be achieved if a lot of all the thought you know that the enemy wasn't there, you know, trying to, you know, take people down and undermine and, and all that sort of thing. So that that's something that, uh, and you know, annoys me. Is that what annoys sounds like? Really, it's like oh, it's a bit annoying. You know, really, you know, grates me when 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 that happens, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome for a guy that was saying that he didn't really have an answer. That's like an awesome answer. <laughs> oh, there we go. I got, like... did, I, did I get one right? One right answer. <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah this yeah. I've really enjoyed this interview. Stop saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and I also relate to that idea of being a reluctant believer. Like, I felt like I've spent quite a lot of my faith like that, like in the sense that, um, yeah, almost like that God's got a hold of me and he's not going to let me go even if I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, again, this sounds like so terrible. Sometimes it's just getting through stuff, right? And, and, it's just making those choices like uh, a guy who uh, knew, uh, knew a few years ago and his father was an awesome man of faith. <laughs> but he used to talk about how in, in the morning on Sunday morning, sometimes 
don't know if I can use this word, but he said, oh, I don't want to go to bleep church this morning or whatever. And this is a man of, an awesome man of faith. So it's this concept that we all have all this stuff going on ahead. And sometimes we don't feel like getting up and going to church on Sunday morning because it's a beautiful day out there and you want to do different things. So we all struggle with this kind of stuff. And actually having that core thing, well, unfortunately, annoyingly, I believe that that Jesus, you know, I find that as a really, to keep me on the straight and narrow, do you know what I mean? So that's why I find that pretty core base in one way, uninspiring. Well, it's pretty inspiring because it's the truth. Um, uh, you know, I think that helps me, yeah. you know, just keep going when things are, when you don't understand stuff. I mean, again, it's coming back to what was in the, you know, New Testament, right? You know, all this stuff's going on. People were downing Jesus, not quite sure. But in the end, the disciples said, where else do you go sort of thing? So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, I think I really relate to that idea of like wholeness that you want to see in people. Like, you know, there's um, so many, so many voices out there and so much like, um, uh, yeah, destructive thought patterns and stuff like that. And like, yeah, exactly what you said, like, you know, the potential that could be unleashed if people just even for a, a week or two could be free of like the doubts that they have about themselves and stuff like that. People could achieve like so much um, stuff. And yeah, I think that it's that kind of um, total wholeness, wholeness of a person yeah. that really makes me passionate as well. And I think that's, you know, when I'm at school and stuff, that's like you, you can just look at somebody and know that they're not, you know, they're not telling themselves the truth about, like, nobody's believing in them. Their parents aren't believing yeah. in them. All the people, all the, maybe all the other teachers aren't believing in them. Nobody's there to, like, say, hey, you're actually, you're an awesome person. And and that's the message of God and the message of the church, right? You know, that, again, one of the books, you know, what's so amazing about Grace, Philip Yancey, I think it starts with this, prostitute who's outside church and says hey look why would i bother coming into church sort of thing they're just going to judge me so you know you know that's that's the hope we've got that's the hope this church got what i find interesting is <laughs> the church is still full of it and i don't say that in the wrong way but we're all still struggling with it you know take captive every thought and obedient to christ it might sound like an easy thing to do but it's you know <laughs> it's hard and it's going to be in my view you know it's, you know it's going to be a struggle forever until the kingdom's fully here, not just here now and not yet, isn't it, sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, yeah, that's a struggle and that's going to continue to be a, a struggle. But imagine, as you say, you know, what it would be like if it wasn't a struggle and people really believed that. Wow, then, you, then you'd have real faith for pretty incredible things being done, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, awesome. Um, thanks so much for giving up some time and I've really enjoyed um, um, all your answers. <laughs> Great. Thanks, no, thanks, Johnny. It's great. No, it's yeah. great what you're doing. Really appreciate it. It's been interesting for me to think about it. And it's been interesting listening to other stories as well and, and the different ways people think about things and approach things. Hey, yeah. Awesome. Cheers.